Good morning. Grab your Bibles and flip to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. It's this time of year when the world falls in love. Every song you hear seems to say, Merry Christmas. Yes, yes, we are in December and uh, Christmas is around the corner. So that means one thing. That means you are allowed to drink your weight in eggnog. Yeah, you, okay, it, it doesn't only mean that. Uh, it, it means a lot of other things, like wearing ugly sweater uh, sweaters to go to ugly sweater parties. Uh, it also means family time and Christmas trees and, and family movies and decorating your house and, and of, course, of course, shopping, right? And as I'm describing all of these things, maybe you're thinking, oh man, there's just like the sense of panic is kind of setting in, and you're thinking, man... It's a busy season, and shopping, and decorating, and, and parties, and just busy, 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 and you're starting to almost panic. So if that's happening, I'm sorry. Uh, it's true, we are in December. Um, and in fact, it is a really busy season. I was talking to a friend this last week, and, and I was inviting them to a Christmas party, and they said, sorry, we can't make it. We have eight Christmas parties that day. I mean, like, so some people just get invited to a lot of parties, and it, it is a busy season, right? And, uh, and the fact that it is a busy season, and it's a busy season because it's one of the few holidays that is celebrated by both the secular world and the Christian world. Uh, you may or may not have noticed, but the things that I was listing earlier are, are part of the busy season, are things that are not really even about this season, uh, or truly about this season. And, and honestly, I don't blame you for that. I, I don't think that, that you should have noticed me like, oh, he just listed a bunch of things that are secular. No, like that, I didn't, that was not a test of any kind. I don't blame you because it is a really busy season and, and, it's, and it is becoming slightly secular every year. You know, like music that you hear slowly shifting from joy to the world to grandma got run over by a reindeer. Like that's just, that happens. Like if you go to the store, you're like, that, that grandma song again is on. I think that song is weird. So, uh, <laughs> But the, but the thing is, the, the roots of the real reason of this season is slowly getting masked with something else. But at the same time, we can't just say, oh no, like we can't just roll up our sleeves and be like, man, you know, the secular world is stealing Christmas from us, right? Like, that's, that's not the right attitude either. That at the same time, this is the season that Christ is proclaimed on more radio stations and more people are talking about Jesus than any other time of the year. Like, song hark the herald angels sing it's probably on most playlists it's played on the radio and probably on on every mall that you go to um and it's singing who is jesus he's the everlasting lord who from the highest heavens come down to be the offspring of virgin birth why did he come what did he come to do his mission is to see god and sinners reconcile these are lines from the song how did he accomplish it he lays his glory by that we no more may die. And how is all of this possible? It's possible through regeneration called the second birth, right? Those lines are within that song, and it's a song that's proclaiming the gospel. And so, yes, it is a busy season, and yes, the, the, it is, Christmas seems to become more secular. At the same time, the gospel is being proclaimed in more ways than we would normally do 
And as a church, in the midst of this busyness, in the midst of maybe even secular things that are coming through, in the midst of all of this, as a church, I want us to slow down and remember why we celebrate. What, why we celebrate Advent. And why we celebrate Jesus during this time. And so that's why we did a little series called He Came. is because we want, I mean, it's pretty simple, straightforward. He came. He, Jesus, came. And, and if He comes, and He came, so what does that mean for us? And that's what we're going to do. That's what we're going to study for the next four weeks leading up to Christmas. It's just reminding us here on Sunday, why did, why did He come? Why is it supposed to transform my whole life? Why does it matter? And so for the next four weeks, we're going to study, he, he came, how he came. He came humbly. He came to ransom. He came to save. And all these reasons that we're going to look at, it's not going to be the traditional, you know, Mark, you, well, Matthew, Mark, Luke. I just combined two of those books. Did you notice that? I was like, I can't even repeat myself. Um, so I combined them. But, but this, this passages will be from other places describing Jesus coming. Uh, there will be passages from Galatians and Philippians and today's passage from 1 John, right? And then today we'll look at the account of Jesus' birth from John 1. And, and John doesn't give us this full rundown of Mary and Joseph and wise men and shepherds, but he does tell us that Jesus came. So he came and his coming changed everything. So if you're able, let's stand and look what his coming accomplished and what his coming changed um, I'm going to read, we're going to study verses 14 through 18. So I'm going to read from the beginning. Uh, you guys don't join me in until verse 14. Cool? Yep. If you want to read with me, you can. I don't, I mean, I care, I guess. Um, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. Now you guys can join me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. This is the word of God. You can have a seat. So, 
John starts off this passage, John 1, 1, he starts by talking about the Word. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So the phrase, in the beginning, right away, connects the passage to Genesis 1, and it points to a time before the creation account. And during that time, to, during that point of time, before the existence of anything, this Word was with God, and the Word was God. So what is this word? What, what, is, what is the word? Uh, readers reading this in John's day would see the word as a way in which God has revealed himself. And in verse 2, the word gets personified, right? The word is now he. He was with God and he was God. And in verse 3, he made all things. So far we know about, well, what do we know about the word? Is that he was with God he was God, and he made all things. Then in verse 4, John tells us that in him was life, and he, has, and he was the light of men. In verse 5, no darkness overcome, overcomes this light. In verses 6 through 8, we see that God sends John the Baptist to tell about this light, to tell about him. And in verse 9, all of this is coming together. The word, the light, is coming into the world. And in verse 10 through 13, then shows that he joins this world, the same world that he made, but the world did not recognize him. He was with God. He was God. He made everything. He is light, and he has joined this world that he made, but the world does not, didn't, doesn't recognize him. So who is he? Who is he? Well, the short answer is Jesus. Jesus. Jesus is the Word. Jesus was with God, and Jesus is God. Jesus was in the beginning. Jesus made all things. Jesus was life, and life was the light of men. Jesus is the one who John is sent to tell about. Jesus is the true light. Jesus is the one who joins the creation, joins what he created, and his creation does not recognize him. Now, now we can study our text. Now we can jump in to John 1, 14 through 18, because we know it's talking about Jesus. So it says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So the word is Jesus, and Jesus came and took on flesh. So who who, uh, Jesus, who is God, who is with God, who created everything, who's outside of time and space, puts himself inside the limits of time and space and becomes flesh. And uh, most of you probably hear this word around Christmas time, but it's a theological word that, that you often hear during this time. It's called incarnation, right? It literally means into flesh. Jesus, who's fully God, puts on skin. He is fully God, period. He is fully men, period. That is incarnation. And if you were here with us a few weeks ago, Dave Shelley talked about what happens when you elevate one or the other. When you elevate uh, him becoming, um, him being fully man, and you not elevate the other side, then, then there's a heresy that is born. If you do vice versa of that, there's another heresy that is born. And so I'm not going to go into that, but this is incarnation. Um, incarnation that, that Jesus is fully God and he's fully man, period. Jesus, who is fully God, wraps his divinity into flesh and blood. So 
God decided in his perfect wisdom and love to join the broken, sinful world and become human. Why? To reveal himself. To reveal himself. God, in his perfect wisdom and love, decided to reveal himself by becoming flesh. Hebrews chapter 1, 1 and 2 talks about this. It talks about it and says, Long ago, long ago, and many times, in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. So it's referring to Old Testament, right? Like, that's the, the way Father spoke to the people. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, to, through whom also he created the world. So God decided to reveal himself through his Son. And as the text says, he spoke to us by the prophets, but now he's speaking to us through his Son. So he's in, he isn't showing his character through spoken or written word this time. He's showing his character through the word, through a person, the God-man, Jesus. But Jesus didn't only become flesh, right? Jesus be- became flesh and joins us and dwelt among us. Yeah, you probably heard this before, uh, during, again, during this season, the word dwelt in Greek, means to set up a tent. Set up a tent. So Jesus becomes flesh, and he is pitching a tent with us. He's pitching his tent in our backyard. So what does this mean? What does this mean? It means that he wants to be familiar with the familiar terms with us. So imagine this with me. If you come to a neighborhood and you buy a piece of land and then you build a house on this land and you build a big house and then around this big house you build a huge wall. Isn't that communicating something? It's conveying a certain message about that. If you come to my backyard and pitch a tent, then that message changes, right? That message changes. You probably will have to use my bathroom. There's probably not a bathroom in your tent, I would guess right? Uh, the, and and so, so you probably would have to share a meal or many meals with me now. Uh, you, we would be going in and out of the house. We'd be sharing meals together. We would be interacting with one another. Probably a lot. I don't know. I, I never lived in your backyard. You have not lived in mine, but, but I'm assuming here, if I picture this, it would be probably interacting back and forth. And Jesus came and pitched a tent so that he can have lots of interactions with us. This coming and dwelling with us would not have surprised, would not have surprised the original re- readers of the text. The original readers of the text would have been reminded of the Exodus story. So like, as, as if you read this text as John is writing, to them this would not have been like, oh man, but they would be like, oh yeah, the fact that God set up a tent and dwelling place for himself. In Exodus 25, 8, it says, and let them make me a sanctuary. This is God speaking. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. And God lived with them. He dwelled in their midst. He, he had a place. But a part of God's perfect plan, he sent his son who becomes human. And this is communicating something, right? It's communicating that God so loved us that he sent his son to be with us to have a tent set up in our backyard. 
In fact, the very name means God with us. In Matthew 1.23, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the plan, this plan of Jesus joining this creation was, was from the beginning. The plan was always has always been for God to join this creation from the beginning. He spoke, and this world appeared, and now he takes on flesh. Jesus is the Word. Jesus took on flesh, and Jesus dwelt with us. And now we continue to read verse 14, right? And notice that because of Jesus, we get to see God. We get to see God for the first time and see his glory. And verse 14 says, And we have seen his glory Glory as the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So His glory is referring to the Word, and the Word is Jesus. So, so this means that in Jesus we see God and His glory. Just a few verses later, in verse 18, John says, No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. So no one has ever seen God, but when Jesus came... We're no longer in the dark about God because Jesus came in, in, in the flesh and he pitched his tent in our backyard and now we get to interact with God himself. We get to know him. And when you go to the Gospels and watch Jesus in action, you're watching God in action. When, you're, when you hear Jesus teach, you're hearing God teach. When you experience Jesus, you're experiencing God. And John says that God's glory is revealed through Jesus. What is that glory? It is the grace and truth of God, his grace towards sinners and stop stooping down to bring us back to him. It's the creator of all things revealing his great love. That's what we celebrate during this season. That's what we celebrate during this season. And and that is worthy of our worship. Yes. He alone is worthy of our worship. Uh, Jesus is the Word. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus dwells with us. And through Jesus, we see God. And John continues in verse 15. He says, he says John, talking about John the Baptist, uh, John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranked before me because he was before me. So what is John the Baptist talking about here? Or John talking about here about talking about John the Baptist. If that was confusing, sorry. Because um, there's two Johns. One is John the Baptist, one is not. Um, so what does he mean that Jesus comes after him but ranked before him? Even though Jesus was born six months after John the Baptist and started his ministry later, Jesus will always be first because he was there from the beginning. Jesus was there during the creation. In fact, listen how Paul describes Jesus in Colossians. In Colossians 1, verse 15 through 20, this is, this is Paul describing Jesus. He says, he, saying Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him 
and for him he is before all things and in him all things hold together he is the head of the body the church he's the beginning the firstborn from the dead that in everything he might be preeminent for in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven making peace by the blood of his cross such a similar message right what paul is talking about and what what john is talking about jesus the image of the invisible god he was there from the beginning in fact he created the universe out of nothing all things were created by him and for him he holds everything together therefore he is preeminent he is he is first always so Jesus is the word. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus dwells with us. Through Jesus, we see God, and Jesus is preeminent. Is that starting to wake your heart? Is that starting to go, ah, that's what the season is all about? It's about Jesus. Jesus is the word. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus dwelt with us. Through Jesus, we see God, and Jesus is preeminent. That's what the season is about. And the reason I'm repeating this over and over and over and over is because I want it to sink in. I want this to become something that you don't even think about, where you go, yes, that is. Jesus is the Word. Jesus took on flesh. Jesus dwells with us. Through Jesus, we see God, and Jesus is preeminent. Like, this is starting to kind of soften your heart, the truth of this season, that it's Jesus. But John is not done, you see? He's not done because in, in verse 16 and 17, we see the full meaning of Christmas. Because he joins this creation, we get to receive grace upon grace. So verse 16 says, For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, that's verse 17, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So the actual translation of verse 16 is, in Christ's fullness, we, we, we receive grace instead of grace. But how? How is it possible to receive grace instead of grace? Well, John explains it in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses. So that means the law that Moses read to the Israelites was seen as grace. It was a, gra- it was a grace because it provided a way to God. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to know God, follow the law. The law was, was a means of grace as it would point you to God. It set, of, set the standard, and that standard was good, but the reality of the law is that we could never meet that standard. We couldn't meet that standard. In fact, we couldn't meet that standard so much that we would need someone to meet that standard for us. So all the law would do is reveal our need for salvation and point us towards the Savior, and Jesus is that Savior. Jesus met the standard on our behalf. He perfectly fulfills the law's demands. He lived out the standard perfectly, right? So in the midst of this crazy, busy Christmas season, God is saying to you today, the gift of Christmas is Jesus. And Jesus wants to saturate you with with His grace, to forgive you of all your sins. 
Jesus is able to take away all your guilt. He's able to make you clean. He's the only one who's able to give you hope and joy and peace this season. Hey, isn't this the reason why he came to pitch the tent among us? And he's able to do this. He's able to forgive you because he met the law's demands with his life. He comes and joins this creation and goes on and lives perfectly. Just, just let that sink in. Let that sink in because, uh, I don't know if you, you just look at your own life. I, I look at my life and I'm like, I can't live 10 minutes perfectly. But he lived his whole life perfectly. And he comes to dwell with us. He comes in the flesh. He comes to dwell with us. And through him we see God. He is over everything. And in him we receive grace. Because Jesus always knew that he was going to the cross. He came so that he could die 33 years later. None of this would matter if he didn't sacrifice himself on the cross on our behalf. And when I walked in on Friday, I think, into the sanctuary, I walked in and all of this was set up already. And I was sitting here and I kind of had a couple of things that I needed to do. And I was looking at this and I thought, that's perfect. Because I, 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 Carly set this up. She didn't really talk to me about how it's going to look. But uh, she did an amazing job. But I think she did something that God was walking before and setting this up because she set this a little bit closer to the front. And there's, you know, it's pointing that Jesus is going to be born, but the cross is right behind that. And I just sat there and I was like, oh, that's brilliant. Like, we are celebrating this, but Jesus is being born to die. Like, it, it, is, it was just like an image for me that I was just like, oh, it just sunk deep. So in the midst of this chaos of crazy season, remember that Jesus came for you. Remember he actually took on flesh. Remember he is fully God. Remember that he's fully man. Remember that we get to see God for the first time through Jesus. Remember that he is with us. Remember that he died for you. Will you receive this grace? Will you rest in this grace? Let me pray for us.